Low Post is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. And now, the Low Post. Welcome to the Low Post Podcast NBA Finals Intermission Edition. We have two days off between games three and four, and so I thought now would be a nice time to take the temperature of the NBA Finals with the one and only Kevin Arnovitz live on site from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, one of my favorite cities to visit. I'm jealous that you're there. Mr. Arnovitz, how are you? I am well. It is a nice summer city. Midwest in the summer, you can't beat it. I mean, Chicago for the draft combine, it was like Lollapalooza there. It was just every single place was packed. It was on, it was absolutely on fire. The pandemic was 100% over, which was a little bit frightening and a little bit disconcerting and a little bit exciting all at once. So, Mr. Arnovitz, we have a series, do we not? We have ourselves a series, as they say. Here's where we stand after game three. Everyone is is crapping on this series because the three games have been double-digit games, not the most exciting games. I actually, I feel like we are primed for a classic. I, maybe I'm just trying to wish it into existence, LeVar Ball it into existence. But through three games, yeah, they've all been double digits. But I feel like tactically, this is a really interesting series. Um, and it the, the Suns took a 2-0 lead. The Bucks, as I expected, they would respond to. So here's where we are. The scoring margin for the series is plus three for Phoenix. Here's how even it is. The Suns have 43s on 38% shooting from three. The Bucks have 39 threes on 38% shooting from three. Free throws, Phoenix 44 or 48, Bucks 44. Um, rebounding, a little advantage for the Bucks. Turnovers, plus five. Uh, Milwaukee has committed five fewer fouls, 57 for Phoenix, 53 for the Bucks. The Bucks have sort of won on the margins in some ways. Like they're winning the possession game. They're winning the turnover game, the offensive rebounding game, the free throw game. They're winning the dirty, grimy, nasty parts of it. On the other hand, the Suns are winning the pace game. And we can talk about that. This series has been mostly played at a Suns pace. And obviously they're up 2-1. I just feel like we are primed for a really fun game four. I'm crossing my fingers, but I think tactically this series has entered an interesting space and, and game three really followed how I expected it to go, where I, I said after game two, the series is not over. Milwaukee's doing some things right. And slowly but surely, Milwaukee is starting to build up some advantages in the possession game that I mentioned. Their shot quality overall has been significantly better than Phoenix, in part because, and we can talk about this, Phoenix is not getting to the rim at all. And Phoenix lineups, other than their starting lineup, have not worked. They've all been bad except the starting five, basically. I'll get into the numbers later. Um, and it has the feel of Milwaukee has walked the Suns down a little bit. The Suns' depth issues are starting to rear their head. I mentioned that their starters are, I think their starters are plus 24. Every other lineup combined is minus 21. Feels like the Bucks have them in a good place to snare game four and tie the series. And if you ask me right now to pick game four, I would pick the Bucks to win it. But, uh, but you know, how, do you, how does it feel to you? No, I'm with you. Uh, we have ourselves a series. And, and one of the things you talk about the margins is it's, it's easy to forget that size matters. Size matters, particularly when you are playing a half-court game. It, it's funny. Phoenix has won the pace, and yet I feel like there are times where that is an advantage of Milwaukee. Um, you know, 
I like the trajectory of the Bucks in terms of tactics, uh, in terms of where they're going. Um, there's this asinine theory that they are a dumb team, um, which is ridiculous because you don't lead the playoffs in team defense wire to wire as a dumb team. I loved what they did in game three. And, and I mean, they're so, their offense, I mean, this is another thing. When this team started to build in 2018 and they just ripped off all those wins, we, we regarded them as an aesthetically pleasing offense. And then there are these moments where the stagnation takes over. And, and I feel like the Bucks are one of those teams when they look bad, they look bad. Um, it's not, oh, they're missing shots they normally make. Like the, the stagnation is profound. The spacing issues uh, with regard to Giannis uh, become really salient. And I loved all the stuff they did to kind of randomize their offense in game three, right? I mean, there was all kinds of stuff. PJ driving and kicking to Holiday and then moving into a pick and roll. You don't see that. That's not a that's not a play call. All these like honest to goodness perimeter actions, you know, for Middleton. You know, Phoenix has been doing this old school 2010 ice. You know, when he does that, he loves that pick on the side. They want him to reject the screen, you know, and what did he do the other night? He accepted the screen, the stagger. Um, and then he had all the space he needed for these kind of open shots. Uh, it didn't, he wasn't as proficient in the second half, but man, he found some good stuff in the first half. That was really important. Like, like Drew is reading the game beautifully all of a sudden. I, I mean, I think this pressure has been alleviated. He started to make shots and, and all of a sudden you forget this guy is a good practitioner as a point guard. Um, by the way, you sometimes. and I have talked about this. Sometimes. sometimes. Look, look, he can be careless. And I think it's funny because we regard Drew as, you know, a, a cerebral player because he's classy there. And you're right. He can get sloppy, and he was sloppy early in the series. You and I have talked about this in the past. You know the best and most efficient, or let's say the most efficient ball handle in the pick and roll was this season? Giannis, right? I do, yeah. Yep. There were four in game three. They resulted in Bobby Portis dunk, Giannis layup, wide open Connaughton three to end the third. And the only miss was Bryn Forbes, who I, I think, you know, pretty much hesitated off, a, off an open miss and kind of missed an opportunity. And you know what I like about it? And I was thinking this, where's Giannis weakest? When he's got the ball at the top of the floor with the time and space to brood. But when you give him an action that he's got to move into, he doesn't have time to do that. And then he realizes, oh, wait, I'm busting off the screen as Giannis Antetokounmpo. I have vision. I've got height. I've obviously am the best finisher in the game. Um, they, with Aiton off the floor, obviously, they were, they were tiny. And, you know, look, I don't expect them to run 17 pick and rolls for Giannis. But it was like they got they so shouldn't. much. They shouldn't. No, they no, shouldn't no, they run shouldn't. 17 no. pick and rolls for Giannis. No, they, they shouldn't. But... I mean, I really loved what they're doing. Um, there was no stagnation. Um, you talked about the margins. Giannis had four putbacks for 10 points, 2.5 points per possession. Like, that's a margin. That's half the margin of the game right there. And I don't know what they do other than, you know, Aiton doesn't get in foul trouble. Maybe those I – don't, I don't know if Aiton was on the floor for those four. Um, but, but the trajectory tactically in this series – you know, this team that takes a beating for not enough adjustments when all they do is adjust, right? Um, the team that took a beating for, oh, you can't drop the pick and roll, they switch the pick and roll in game one, they get killed, right? Like they can't win 
what they did, and and you know, I, I I've always told the story about Al Horford when he was in Atlanta. I was I forget maybe it was against Washington in the playoffs where. I saw six different coverages in, in, in seven possessions. And I asked him after the game, I'm like, what were you guys doing? He's like, we were reading. And, and you associate reads with offense, right? Like offensive players read and react. Defenses have coverages, right? Like their play calls, there's one through four, we do this. Um, we read this, we iced this, we, we blitz this, um, we drop this. What they are doing in Milwaukee and because I was talking to some people, you know, who were who on staffs in this series and, you know, they all said the same thing, which is, hey, Milwaukee really kind of ran like surprise warfare um, as a defensive unit. They kind of really mixed it up. Um, it's something coaches talk about, but the ability to do it on the fly, the ability to be as smart a defender, you know, as Drew Holiday is, as P.J. Tucker is, you know, out on the perimeter to kind of instinctively know. Okay, this is what we're going to do. And by the way, Chris got his. Chris got his. I mean, he dominated off the pick and roll again. But there was just, there were, they were, more, they bodied them up. I love PJ Tucker on Booker because, like, you know, it, it's funny. He's thick and he can push him out and make it a lot harder for him to get off a balance jumper. Like, it's not that PJ can prevent you from getting to your spot, but it's, it's not a particularly comfortable ride. No, it doesn't look like it would be fun to be guarded by P.J. Tucker. So you just hit on a bunch of stuff. To me, the swing of this series, the, the, the thing that will define this series is Milwaukee's half-court offense. Because you mentioned, even though the Suns have this series at a slow pace, the Bucks are still getting out in transition. And if you look at the numbers on cleaning the glass, they're getting out in transition just as often as they did in the regular season. And guess who was the most frequent team in transition in the regular season? The Bucks. So yeah. off live rebounds, they are flying off turnovers. And that's why turning Phoenix over, and we know that Chris Paul teams are super low turnover teams, not in the last couple of games. That's why getting a couple of extra turnovers is so big for Milwaukee. Because if you look at what they're scoring point per play in transition, your computer just lights on fire. It's such a big figure. But if you look at what they're scoring in the half court in this series... It's only 94 points per 100 possessions, which is not is not very good. Would rank like below average, I think, in the regular season. Phoenix's half-court offense has been on fire the whole series, mostly because of shot-making. So to me, the story of the series, the thing that wins or loses this series for the Bucks, is that half-court offense figure. Because they're going to get theirs in transition. Some games they'll get a little more. Some games they'll get a little less. But they are deadly in transition. The half-court comes and goes, and they can't count on a 40% offensive rebounding rate every game. They just can't. They can't count on plus 10 at the line every game. They can't. They're going to have to score points in the half court. And I'm glad you mentioned the Giannis pick and roll because I just thought the, the randomness, I know it's such a bud word, random, random, random. It's not just random. Like people hear random and they think, well, they're just making it up. Yeah, it was, by the way, it was a George Carl. It was a, it was a George Carl term as well. I mean, and his offenses were, were, his teams were really particularly efficient. One of the things it means is fast. So Giannis had um, one of those, he sets the screen and he slips and he got this and one kind of jump hook in the second quarter that gave the Bucks what I believe, what an early, uh, like a 39-38 lead. If you look, that screen is set at 19 on the shot clock. The whole defense is still backpedaling. Just that. That's random. That's fast. But they ran one of the Giannis pick and rolls you mentioned was a Giannis Middleton pick and roll. Mm -hmm. Middleton screening for Giannis. You never, ever see that 
and you could see the Suns defense, and I think it was Crowder and Bridges in the moment, be like, oh, this is this is unusual. What are we doing? Are we switching? And they end up switching, and Mikhail Bridges, who's all limbs and skinny, is on Giannis and has no shot. Can you go to Giannis Middleton over and over? No, because if you see it over and over, the Suns are going to just stay in the paint, duck under those screens. And by the way, they need to get better at ducking Giannis's uh, screens for Giannis. They have not been good at that in the series. But if you surprise them, it can work. Similarly, they ran some Middleton holiday two-man mm-hmm. games. And you say to yourself, well, what's the point of that? They're kind of similar players. You know, you can just switch that. Well, one point of that is you get Booker more involved in the action on defense. You make him work even more, and he he's going to switch on to Middleton. Maybe you get a Middleton post-up out of it. Maybe you fire directly from that into a Middleton-Giannis pick-and-roll, which is your bread and butter, except you scrambled the defense ahead of time. Maybe you just catch them by surprise, and they screw up the defensive coverage. I thought they mixed it up really well, and to your point, just sort of got into actions with a little more decisiveness and speed. And to me, the half-court offense scoring for the Bucks is going to win or lose this series, which feels right now like a long series. But again, maybe Phoenix comes out and stomps them in, in game four. Right. It, it, it's, it's, it's selective structure, right? You talked about the Middleton holiday actions. They almost run, it's almost pistoly because obviously Middleton loves the side and, you know, there were fake handoffs. There were, you know, straight up pick and rolls. They, you know, there, there was a, you know, a third person. Sometimes Giannis. Uh, there were times it was Tucker. Um, you know, and they were efficient. I mean, I, I have, a, I have, you know, kind of non-transition points per possession, one twenty-nine. Um, that's a little spectrum. Second is that spectrum. Just, is that just? Is that just an? Uh, I was gonna say, is that just an Arnovitz figure? Are you? Are you like? In a, I picture a notebook where you're like no, doing no, no. math this is, on your own and making up your own analytics. Okay. No, seventy-eight shots attention. Uh, Sach attempted second spectrum in non-transition opportunities. The shot quality like fifty-four point five. The the probability is like fifty-eight six. You got Giannis padding the stats because what is his shot probability within five feet? Um, and you know, 1.29, again, this is our friends at second spectrum, but, uh, it's also what's notable about it is relative to these other performances with the exception of Phoenix game two, it is, you know, kind of decisive in its efficiency. You can now stream the most MLB games on direct TV without a satellite dish. Yes. Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing. On your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. The NFL schedule drops this week and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with vivid seats experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code LOW. That's code LOW, L-O-W-E, my last name, the name of this podcast. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Well, we should talk about Giannis, who's averaging 34 points a game in the finals on 9,000% shooting with 9,000 rebounds and a whole lot of you know great defense and all of that on, on a, a, a knee that 
frankly, we were worried 12 days ago or whatever it was that he was going to be done and we should just cancel the playoffs because we were all tired of it at that point. Um, he's been absolutely outstanding. And, you know, every time we do a podcast, I keep harping on this. I, I think it's one of the defining storylines of the season. And we talked about it as soon as it happened against the Nets in January when he set a record number of ball screens in a game against the Nets. That is the Giannis we've been waiting to see. And it doesn't, and I gave Perk a little good-natured ripping on um, Get Up This Morning. It doesn't mean he's Robin or not Batman. He's like Plastic Man. He can do a lot of stuff. He can still set more screens like Shaq or Tyson Chandler or whoever you want to compare it to and still get his ISOs, still run the offense in transition, still face up Jay Crowder on the left block and just destroy him over and over. He can still do all of that. He's just his own player. He's his own plastic man. He's his own superhero. He's not just Robin. But I think people just underestimated, like, this guy just won two MVPs playing a certain way. Jason Kidd was the first one to get, make up Point Giannis. You're going to be Point Giannis. And we all loved it. Everyone crazy. Point Giannis, Point Giannis. They come within two games of the finals two years ago and lose to the eventual champions. Like, it's not as if they were some team with Point Giannis. He's the two-time MVP. They did pretty damn well. And to ask him, hey, can you, like, give the ball up a little bit? And, and not only that, can you do that, that like, screening and diving stuff that is, yeah, you're going to catch lobs and stuff. It's, it's not how LeBron James plays, really. It's not how Kevin Durant plays, really. It's not how the guys you think you are play. It's how Shaq plays. It's how Anthony Davis plays. It's That's not like an easy ask. You don't just go to a meeting with the coaches, outline your vision, and the next day Giannis is like, okay, I'm a different player now. That's a long journey. But here we are, K.A., the of the 10 games in which Giannis has set the most ball screens in his career, of his 10 most frequent ball screen games, nine have come in these playoffs. And I think all of them have come in the last three rounds. Nine. He has he deserves a ton of credit for reinventing himself as a player. And his screen setting efficiency in this series is absolutely off the charts. And I just think I don't I don't really care for the superhero paradigm or the comparison paradigm he is just him he's just Giannis he's an incredibly unusual player who can do lots of stuff and can't do one or two things that are really easy to notice and sometimes make you overlook all the other stuff but you know one of the stories of this season is we have seen trickle by trickle bit by bit almost so much so that it's imperceptible unless you're watching every day he starts at point A and he ends at point B. And point B, where he is now, is very close to what his apex version of himself is going to be. Right. Um, the versatility is the asset. I mean, that is kind of the implication of, oh, he's screening a ton. By the way, I love how he screens. He has this little hesitation where he holds it even, like, even when the body's off him, right? Like he does this little delay. And then it just completely screws up the offense, um, or the defense, rather. And the other reason you screen him is it pulls the defense in, right? Like, that is the point. This is a perimeter-oriented game. There's a reason the Milwaukee Bucks are, I, I, think, I think, next to the Clippers, the second-best three-point shooting team. When you have an entire defense collapsing on this locomotive, like, like – those opportunities open up. It would be nice if they, you know, hit them more. And, all, and also, and also, when you're 
when your worst shooter is not one of the people shooting threes. That helps your three-point percentage. Right. Well, well, and I think that's that's it, right? Like we talked, I, I said that when they're bad, they look bad. And I think the sort of dumbness narrative is, yeah, when he when he jacks up eight threes, that is just pissing possessions away. You know what he didn't do? Like he had one three in the in the first half, which was a heave, I think, at the end of the quarter. Um, and, and again, that's not the margin of it's an important aspect and, and it, it hurt them in the earlier rounds. But again, it, it's one of these things that, as you say, is the things a guy this versatile doesn't do well by virtue of his versatility and doing everything else well, it stands out like a sore thumb. And yeah, it, it's been really fun to watch. I, 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 I love their, it was one of my favorite offensive games of any team in the playoffs the other day. And it was just sort of one of the things this offense absolutely demands of its players is sort of the element of surprise. It was tough. And I've written about this number of times. Like it was tough for Chris Middleton for half a season. Like we're not going to post you up on the elbow. The one thing I love is that Middleton did this again is that is a man who can attack a mismatch. Like I'm not a big fan of mismatch basketball. I'm a big fan of mismatch basketball when it's Chris Middleton. Well, also Drew Holiday um, had a drive what he had. It looked like a dead possession uh, a great Phoenix defensive possession, and the Bucks kicked it to Drew Holiday on the right wing, and he said, "Oh, campaigns on me. I'm right. way stronger than that dude. I'm just going to drive right into him and get a layup." Like they, that's how they. He Drew Holiday is a is a unreliable crunch time ball handler. He makes some decisions where you scratch your head. He had that side of the backboard jumper in game two where you're like, dude, there's 18 on the shot clock. Like, why are you taking a fading baseline jumper? But he's big and he's strong and he is a great bully ball driver. And they just can't let opportunities like that pass. The Suns are too good. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Giannis. Just the, the, here's the overarching number. Regular season, 19 ball screens per 100 possessions. This is by second spectrum. Playoffs, 30. And it's escalating every round. This is a reinvention uh, of him. I'm, I, I'm oh, another, I'd like to propose a rule, Mr. Arnovitz. Are you ready? Sure. Finals discourse rule. No, M, no finals MVP discussion allowed until one team has three wins. Like, I'm seeing all this. Who's the finals MVP right now? Is it Giannis? Is it Chris Paul? Nick Wright. I love Nick Wright on Fox Sports. I love him. He's such a great guy. He's talking today about if Giannis averages 40 for the rest of the series and Paul averages 18 for the series, even if the Bucks lose, we've got to give the MVP. Can we just see the series? Can we just see? We're three games into the series. It's 2-1. Can we just watch the series instead of debating this award preemptively and I just so that's my rule would you would you sign would you sign my petition for no finals mvp discussion until one team has three wins yes why are we reviewing restaurants halfway through the appetizers <laughs> like why are we reviewing an album off the first two tracks i'm with you i i sign with with bold ink the way steve kerr wants to sign the we're going to wear casual wear um on the sidelines. I, I will sign with big John Hancock. What do you expect the Suns to do um, to counter Giannis in game four? Because, you know, I, I've seen some some people thinking, well, they, they put Crowder more on him in game three, in part because of Aiton's foul trouble or, and, and to protect Aiton from foul trouble at the beginning. And, and Crowder obviously guarded Giannis in the Heat Bucks series last season. Giannis looks pretty comfortable right now against Jay Crowder. Uh, Jay's gotten him a couple times, a couple push-ups, offensive fouls. Um, you know, maybe you show more help at him and, and force the Connaughton's and the Lopez's and the Tuckers to beat you. We might see that. 
I still, if I'm Phoenix, I think I'm still starting eighting, starting eight on him and seeing if I can get through the first five minutes without a foul. I, I think that's still their best answer, maybe by far. Uh, what do you expect to see? Right, like the proof is in the pudding, right? Like, like he played 24 minutes because of foul trouble. He's still their best option. And by the way, there are no great options. I, I'm with you. They're going to have to, you know, what do you do? You, you bring a third guy at the nail. Like, I, I, and then, yeah, and, and as you said, that's going to require... Connaughton is going to require sort of the more marginal shooters. It'll require Portis, who actually is not a marginal three-point shooter, um, though he has been in the, in the playoffs a little bit. No, um, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you brought up Portis. I want to talk about Portis because, you know, you can see, I think Portis has become a massively important player in this series because it's clear Bud does not trust Bryn Forbes anymore defensively. Just he's, he's decided Jeff Teague, we need Jeff Teague over you, which... To me, is a little inexplicable, but I think it, it it all that also goes to the fact that the Bucks are a little light on playmaking, and I think that's what Bud is maybe searching for with Teague, and he's made shots. And if Forbes is not going to play, Portis has to play because they just need shooting. They need another shooter on the floor for the playoffs. Giannis and Portis together, the Bucks are plus forty four in one hundred and thirty two minutes, plus sixteen in twenty three minutes for this series. Almost all of those minutes have come with Lopez on the bench. That look seems to be working for them. And you can see Bud in his rotation decisions thinking, okay, our small lineups got Connaughton, Tucker, Giannis. It's just not enough shooting. Lopez is just, I mean, Lopez has settled in as like, just okay. No one is terrified of Brooke Lopez shooting threes, even from the corners. And he's searching. And I'm glad you brought up Portis. And I want you to talk about that more because I, I think he's emerged as an important player in this series, especially because he's playing against Phoenix non-starting five lineups, and those lineups have been a, a hit or miss, let's say. Right. And he's funny because I, I think, you know, the Bucks staff kind of wrestles with the Angels on, on Portis because he can be a defensive liability. And frankly, I saw a couple instances, especially, uh, you know, on CP and in the eight and pick and roll, where he is, you know, it was funny after the game in his press conference, um, podium game for Portis, uh, where, you know, he made sure not to state that he is a defensive player. And you could almost see kind of the glares from from, from the rest of the Bucks, like, you know, because he was out of the rotation for in one of the earlier rounds. It's just like, they don't entirely trust him defensively. Brooklyn. But yeah, uh, but in the in the who do you trust less sweepstakes, uh, Forbes is, is winning that battle. Um, he's a way to split the difference defensively. As you say, he's a way to go small, not and still maintain your advantage. I think on the boards, he had eight rebounds in eighteen minutes the other night. And you know, again, he's he's the difference splitter because if 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 you're not going to drop Lopez, you know, you still have the other starting four and Connaughton, like you know. There's still some, and again, he's not really a rim protector either, but they're still showing size. I mean, way back, going back to kind of the John Hammond days, like size was always something that this team valued. You know, we will we will outlength you. Um, we will outlimb you. And I, I think Portis is a nice way to kind of split the difference. And as you said, also a little more perimeter shooting, which just is a decongestive, especially for Giannis. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? Full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. With a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Let me read you the numbers just so we all know what we're what we're talking about here. Paul plus Booker, Suns are plus 28 for this series. Booker only, minus 13. And let me flip the sides and get you CP only, minus 13 as well. Oh, that's the same one. Uh, hold on. I think it's minus 15. In any case, they're not winning the minutes when it's just one of the two on the floor. They need both the ball. They haven't found a, the, the, a solution to not having both their ball handlers not on the floor. So with that in mind, you know, Phoenix is still up 2-1. I would tentatively pick the Bucks to win game four. My pick for the series was Suns in seven. Feel pretty good about that, even with the Sarge injury. Like, feels like it's going to be a long series. Maybe not, though. What are some things, and you can pick either end of the floor, defense, offense. You know, we don't talk about, you know, what is the team that's ahead in the series? What should they do? But let's talk about them. What are some things that you're looking for from Phoenix in game four that you might think would help them wrest control of the series and make it a series where we'd now be allowed to talk about finals MVP? Right. You actually just like you just named the first one, which is a little more shot creation, um, especially when one of those two guys is off the floor. Like like Payne got exposed a little bit. Um, you know, he has some sort of feisty ball deflections and pokes, but um, they exploited him defensively. You mentioned an instance uh, kind of earlier in the in the thing. You could have him on on holiday. Um, do you go Booker 43 minutes? Um, what do you do to get more ball handling and get more creation? Especially because, as you say, now now here's the counter argument. You only need one, and his name is Chris Paul, right? And, and, and sort of the Clippers did this for years, very successfully. Uh, so, so that would be the counter is, yeah, you just need to tread water when he's off the floor for, you know, essentially 10 to 12 to 13 minutes. Um, but, but, you know, Payne, who was a beautiful option, in the Western Conference, vice he's just being exposed again. This is where size matters and strength matters. And the Bucks are a brutally physical team. Again, I don't think people realize, you know, kind of relative to average, this has been one of the better team defenses um, in, in recent years. And then, obviously, uh, on the offensive end, again, they're finding soft spots. There are not a lot of soft spots. Phoenix is a good defensive team. And, and again, I, I think it's hard to gauge with Aiton out. I, you know, it's funny, credit to Aiton, because uh, if you had told me, hey, he, he's a key tent pole to their team defense a year and a half ago, I, I would have said, yeah, get the hell out of here. And 
he is. And again, size matters. Some moron, some moron, some moron at ESPN just wrote the DeAndre Ayton defensive improvement story today. Check it out on ESPN.com. Um, so here's a stat. Ready? 23.7%. That is the share of Phoenix Suns shots in this series that have come in the restricted area. Okay? In the regular 23.7. In the regular season, Phoenix was last by that measure. 27.2% of their shots came in the restricted area in the regular season, and they were last. 23.7 now. By hook or by crook, that number has got to come up. I know that's not your bread and butter. The numbers tell me it's not your bread and butter. You're a mid-range team. You've got two of the best mid-range shooters in the league. Um, you're not a big fast break team, and you get a lot of rim runs on, on fast breaks. 23.7% is too low. Now, credit the Bucks. The Bucks are the best rim-protecting team in the league. They do not let you encroach on that territory. But by hook or by crook, whether it's Chris Paul pushing a little harder, we saw him trying to get the ball over half court at 20 in game one of this series, and they talked about that. You just, that number has got to come up, or else this series is going to continue, I think, to inch, inch, inch toward the Bucks and inch, inch, inch toward a long series. I don't have any great answers for how to do that. Aiton obviously got off to a great start in game three, beasting switches, duck ins, slipping screens getting to the rim before his foul trouble. Maybe it's just more of that. Maybe it's a selective fast break. I also think they've got to find ways to get Booker off a little bit to get him clean looks. And there have been a couple of plays in this series where they have him come off a pin down screen at like the elbow on one side of the floor with nobody else but him and the screener on that side. And I think that's a great vehicle for him to get downhill, maybe to get an open jumper, just to get going a little bit, to bend the defense toward him. I'd like to see three or four or more of those actions. Um, but that 23.7 number is alarming, and it's an uphill battle against Milwaukee's defense to get there, but that's too low. Yeah, uh, and, and those off-ball actions are important because especially if you have P.J. Tucker on you. You know, where is Tucker's strongest? I mean, he's strongest when you, you know, you've got the ball up top on the wing, or generally Booker's on the wing. And this is a way to sort of neutralize Tucker a bit. Um, you know, it's funny. One of the interesting things I, I, I see is, is Chris Paul will hunt out Giannis Antetokounmpo, former defensive player of the year. And there is one of the, talk about the kind of Bucks discourse. There's this notion, um, you know, a lot of people in, in last year series were, why isn't Giannis on Jimmy Butler? And it's something that I think also another thing that, that the Bucks wrestle with is Giannis is more effective as a help defender and rover. He's the best help defender and rover in that capacity. I mean, obviously, we'll have a different conversation about Rudy Gobert at the rim and AD is really good, but um, that is where he is strongest. And so, you know, where he's a little less strong, you can neutralize him. Chris Paul's crossover. Right, and it's it's interesting to watch Chris draw Antetokounmpo on, on the perimeter and in one on one action off a screen, and um, but this is also the key. One of the great things about the Bucks defense is, and we're seeing it, they can get Lopez off the floor for those kind of twenty five minutes and still protect the rim, and Giannis is a huge part of that. And and yet, what's interesting is you don't you don't regard them as there's not a ton of rim protection on the roster. It's one of these, the best rim protection is out on the perimeter, right? And they, they do a really good job. You know, the Phoenix thing is interesting what you say. Like I've, I've seen that stat and I've always just kind of chalked it up to, 
when you have Chris Paul. And I would be curious to see like kind of vintage Clipper numbers, like where were they in the paint? Obviously you had a paint finisher in, in Griffin and you, know, you had your lobs to Jordan, but you know, when you have Booker and Paul, is that a detriment? And, and the answer is yes, if you're not establishing Aiden. And, you know, I, I guess that's the answer. Bridges on basket cuts. Crowder's not going anywhere, right? Like, and he's frankly more effective out on the perimeter as we saw. But but is, it, it, what you're saying is interesting because I, I is it a detriment the way it would be for other teams? I think the Lopez thing is interesting too because I think Phoenix in game two, or I'm sorry, Milwaukee in game two, got caught over helping a little bit on some of the Suns threes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and by that, I mean, trust Brooke Lopez a, a little bit more. I, I, in that game, at least, he earned it. He was almost up at the level of the screen, but he retreated fast enough that Aiton would catch the ball at the, at the block charge circle, and they would have this little duel from like six feet out, and Lopez forced him into tough shots from there, and he missed. And I still thought Milwaukee's defense was a little too swarmy when they didn't have to be. And Crowder got some kickout threes and Bridges got some kickout threes. Just finding that balance for 48 minutes against Phoenix is really hard because, boy, they put you in really tough positions. I mean, they run that stack Spain pick and roll. They run pick and rolls where all the three other pieces around the player are moving around and you don't know whose job it is to help and whose job it is to stay home. And, oh, my God, Devin Booker's on the weak side by himself. I can't help off him. They just inflict this panic on you. And I just think I, – I, I think we're in, in for a really fun, whether it's two, three, four games. I, I think we're going to get some close games here because these teams are evenly matched tactically – Everyone has tried little things, little things, little things, little responses, little responses. We're at this point where every series reaches where there aren't that many cards left to play. Everybody knows each other. Guys are getting tired. Guys are getting beat up. I I just think we're going to get – I I hope we get a classic game four. I'm speaking in a new existence. I hope you are. It's fun to be here. And, and yeah, you know, it's funny. Earlier in the playoffs when the Bucs were taking a beating on their pick-and-roll coverage – which interestingly, when you kind of look at the stats, wasn't as bad as, as it looks because they are a team that looks terrible when they, you know, when they fail on a possession. And you know, I, I was talking to someone with the Bucks, and he's like, "Hey, what do you do with Brooke? This is the existential question for this team: is how do you defend that?" And the answer was, as you said, let Brooke be Brooke. Like he's a smart enough defender to kind of know. And then there were these great possessions against Atlanta with one where he's just flopping his feet up and basically was able to push Trey Young pre-injury to the corner. And um, he can be effective. And and I kind of like this sort of platoon kind of baseball style where where Lopez plays half the game. And it's been fairly consistent. Um, It's not like we're going small and we're going to big. Again, randomize not just the offense, but the defense. And, you know, it, again, it, it's working. I, I can't emphasize enough. This has been the best defensive team by a good margin in the postseason. Um, and uh, they're kind of there. With You're going to play between 20 and, and 29 minutes. And it, it is going, it, it will be selective. Um, and I, I, I'm with you. You know, there's really no reason. And they've always been a vulnerable three-point opposing three-point team. But, hey, your, your whole thing is let's defend pick and rolls two on two. Don't give it up now. Right. And look, I, I, will Crowder go six or seven? Probably not. But I love I, I love this series tactically. I love the chess match of this series. Um, it is fascinating. Today's interview has been fueled by Gatorade. Whatever path you take to greatness, Gatorade is there to fuel it. Greatness starts with G. 
couple more quick things to watch for the series. Bucks plus 24 with Giannis on the floor, minus 27 in not very many minutes with Giannis on the bench. That number was a plus zero in game three. That was a huge deal. And Phoenix, you nailed it with the sort of hunting the isolations. Phoenix finding the right balance between let's run our stuff. Okay, sometimes they can get a little too out of their stuff. But also, they're pretty damn good when they hunt Connaughton. And and Devin Booker seems to like the Chris Middleton matchup. And we saw Trey Young liked the Chris Middleton matchup. Chris Middleton's an okay defender, but one-on-one, those guys can take him. Find if you're gonna if you're gonna get out of your stuff, find the right matchups and then be decisive. Don't sit there and meander and waste the shot clock. Go drive, and if the kick is there, make the kick. But anyway, I, I think we're gonna have a fun game for Mr. Arnovitz. You're gonna be on location in Milwaukee. Um, thank you for your coverage. As always, we will be looking for more analysis from you. Stay safe out there. Have you gone? Have you ventured into the Deer District, which I'm calling the Giannis Grove? I'm calling it the. It should be named after Giannis. I'm calling it the Giannis Grove. Have you Have you gone into the Giannis Grove? I, I have not. I'm in the building, and I'm not risking leaving the building and not being able to get back in the building. I got trapped in a stairwell once in Miami. Like I have these sort of panics. Like I've had bad dreams where I get trapped in a stairwell in an arena. So I, I kind of go to my seat. There's no media dining or anything. It's pretty restrictive. So I, I, I'm good there next to our friend Sam Amick. And I'm, you know, I, I'm a very happy camper at my seat. My man, games, game six of the finals, Warriors Raptors two years ago, I had a meeting with a player's <clears throat> business partner in Oakland, just to, just to, you know, let's sit down and talk shop. And I went to take the elevator up to his office and the electricity died. <laughs> and I was stuck in the elevator by myself. And I hit the security button. You know, the thing you hit when you're like, uh-oh. And nobody was answering. And I had this moment where I was like, I'm just stuck in the elevator. Just me, alone. No one's answering their phone. You know what, though? It's better, to be stuck in a, it's better to be stuck in an elevator alone than with somebody. But you have this realization where you're like, huh. I, I, could, I could be here a while. And then your brain starts to work like, wait a second. Is all the stuff about running out of oxygen, is that a real thing? Or is that just a thing that's in the movies that people worry about? And you know how I got out of the elevator? No one's calling security. St- the, the player's business partner isn't getting back to me. No one's at the office. I was just, after, after 20 minutes, I was like, uh, let's see if I can just open the doors. And so I just opened the doors and walked out. And the security <laughs> guy was running up to the elevator. That's, that's all it took. So don't, I don't, I don't get stuck in a stairwell. Be safe. Have fun. Kevin Arnovitz, thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.